Welcome to Emotional Eating with Marilyn, a podcast where you will learn to recognize your emotional eating behavior, overcome this behavior, and all things in between. If it's your first time here at EEM, then welcome. My name is Marilyn Rafi. I am a pharmacist and I have a PhD in genetics, and I upload an episode every Friday morning. And if you're an avid listener, then I really want to thank you because your engagement is really helping us to become one of the top listened podcasts on emotional eating. But in order to further spread the love and really break the taboo on emotional eating, we need to do more. So I would really appreciate it if you could either subscribe, leave a review, or share the podcast with a friend. Now, on to today's episode. Today, let's talk about emotional eating as a way to censor our feelings and our emotions, rather than looking at it from an angle of gluttony and, you know, loving food. So if you're interested in that, keep on listening, because I think this episode will really help you see emotional eating from another angle. This is an advert for better help. So if you're listening to this podcast and thinking there are things I need to unlock in order to overcome emotional eating, then BetterHelp is for you. BetterHelp, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is an online platform that connects you to a suited therapist. You answer a few questions about yourself and the angle you want to focus on, and they will match you with a therapist. You can switch if you want to, completely free of charge if your first match is not a good fit. And I personally know that starting therapy can be overwhelming. I was so scared and ashamed in my first few months. But then when I realized how it changed my life, I wanted everyone to benefit from this magic too. So with better help, there is less friction to start therapy. I will put the link in the show notes with all the details. Basically, it's betterhelp.com slash EEM. And by using this link, you help support my podcast and you get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. And I truly believe that therapy will help you understand the layers of your emotional eating. And as I say, it all starts with awareness, awareness and awareness. So for 10% off your first month, you just need to click on the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com slash EEM. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. And I really wanted to do this episode because I feel talking to you guys about emotional eating, a lot of people feel it's about them. It's like taboo. It's something bad that they're doing. It's just because they're obsessed with food. And I want to talk about it from another, the other angle that I mentioned. It's actually a, a tool that we use when we feel something's coming up in us, a feeling, a sensation, and or an emotion, and we really don't want to feel it. So we eat and we kind of numb it, we uh, suffocate it, and we're not going to feel it anymore because then we're occupied with food, with eating, in a way, our mind and mouth and body is busy to deal with the food. And also the food will release, as I always mention, all the hormones in the, and the neurotransmitters in our brain, serotonin, dopamine, etc. Therefore, we're really busy. So then we don't have to deal with that other emotion that, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're feeling. And the question is, where does this habit or this behavior originate from? I mean, 
everything that every behavior has multi multiple factors that are causing this you have the society you have your genes and the environment you have your ancestors uh, and you have also the childhood and childhood is the you know the really factor that i focus a lot on on in my um, in my podcast um, so it might be that in your childhood, you know, this is how it was, you know, every time you, you would eat, your parents would give you food to kind of soothe you, maybe in, in not meaning badly, you know, they were like, oh, no, don't cry, I'm going to give you this. Or maybe you could have learned it from alone, you by trial and error, you've noticed that every time I'm not feeling well, and I have this food that's available, I try it, it makes me feel good. Or you might have copied unconsciously someone in your family. Maybe someone in your family you can ask. Either they do a lot of emotional eating or they use any kind of substance, alcohol, cigarette or whatever to feel better. And we kind of model and mirror our family. So this might be the origin. And here in this episode, I want to discuss of all the possibilities and all the reasons why in your childhood and in your life, it was really helpful and it was a survival mechanism for you to shut down all the emotions with food. Why at some point in your life, it was, you know, something that you needed. It was your superpower. And now as an adult, with you have different tools probably you know you don't live with your parents anymore you know things that your environment have changed and you don't need this tool or this superpower anymore and on the contrary this tool is instead of being a superpower it's really not helping you to thrive and to live the life to the fullest so I'm going to give you, uh, as I mentioned, examples. And because the aim of this episode is really self-awareness, I really want you to kind of have, you know, we call them aha moments. Those moments like, oh yeah, this is what happened to me. Oh, now I understand. Now I understand why I'm like this. I have other episodes where it's more tools and pragmatic and solution driven and some that are more awareness driven. But as a general rule, something I found uh, very common in a lot of people is that in every family, there is one or a, a combination of emotions that are not accepted in families uh, or specific in some children. So, for example, you have some families that will not accept people to be sad. If you're sad, you're directly labeled as ungrateful, as, you know, uh, God will punish you for being sad and all of this. In other families... Emotions like anger are not accepted. You know, we always stay calm in our family. This is who we are. We don't get angry. We're above that. Um, I don't know. It may be in other emotions. Um, feeling ashamed is really, really not taboo. Like, no, we're superior. Like, we, we're great as a family. Uh, people look up to us. So we're never ashamed. So there might have been a, a, an emotion in your family that was really not accepted. Also, sometimes uh, emotions are not accepted in boys versus girls. So girls are more accept. It's okay for girls to be sad, but not angry. And boys, it's not okay for them to be sad. Uh, or needy, you know, girls can be needy, boys cannot be needy, you know, this is a bit old school, but this is how may maybe some of you grew up with. So ask yourself, you know, in my family, what are the emotions that were not accepted? And which ones are those, are probably those ones, who every time you will feel them, 
unconsciously, without even thinking of it, you will try to shut them down to sh and you will uh, eat and do emotional eating because those emotions are so uncomfortable. So ask yourself which one it is and it will really, really start to help you understand why you do this emotional eating. And what happens usually with emotional eating is the people that you really do emotional eatings have grown in families where their parents were not emotionally present, emotionally available, etc. So they learn how to kind of deal with themselves and their emotions alone and they eat. Very often, many of them are actually hypersensitive, hyper empathetic. I have episodes on that, which means that they feel even more the emotions of others. They feel their emotions and the emotions of others even more. So all of this is just too much for them or too much for you. For example, I'm a hypersensitive person. It, it, sometimes it's a bit too much for me. And now that I, I know that I am this, it's, I kind of outgrew it in a, in a way. It's funny because they say once you accept and you understand who you are, you can outgrow it and change it. But before it was like, it's a bit too much, you know, all the emotions of others, of the people that I love and my emotions and everything. Then I had to shut them down and I would eat emotionally. So, yeah, very often you grew up in, in families where it was a bit too much and your parents were not available for you, their emotions. Sometimes they were not physically available. Sometimes they were not emotionally available. And I'm going to give you examples. A disclaimer alert. I'm going to talk about a proper childhood trauma, uh, not all the childhood trauma that we see on social media. But so if you feel you're not in that zone today and you don't want to go back to really, really difficult moments in your childhood, then, you know, this is a, a disclaimer alert for you. But otherwise, I think it's important to, if you're ready and you feel that's where you want to go, it's important to dig a bit into your past just to understand how to overcome it. So your parents might have not been... Um, physically or emotionally available for you physically maybe you had an absent parent a parent like maybe only uh, your mom raised you or I don't know something you know circumstances in life had uh, you know made it that you only had one parent or you know that one yeah your parents were not physically available maybe they worked really late and things like that so you really missed them from that side or they were not emotionally available we call it emotional neglect and this is proper childhood trauma so they are here they were here they were sitting next to you but it's as if they weren't there you know it's like, you know, you couldn't tell them what you were feeling and things like that. And they could have had problems like maybe financial problems. Maybe you had a sibling that needed health care or, you know, extra support. Um, maybe they had other extended family problems. It might have not been their fault. And you, you might think, oh, you know, it's not their fault. They were struggling. So poor them and I shouldn't blame them. I shouldn't feel bad. Yes, but also it's not your fault that you were in that situation. So you are allowed to feel your feelings. You are allowed to feel the emotions that you're feeling. It doesn't mean that you're going to hate your parents and really blame them and shame them, etc. Because anyway, blame and shame and guilt and all of this, uh, they're not emotions that... Um, will help you thrive in life anyway if if you really feel those emotions just accept them don't reject them don't suppress them 
and try to go with them and go you know and slowly slowly you can you will learn how to let uh, go of those emotions and live with others emotions if you really want to understand how to let go of strong emotions i have other episodes i have a, uh, an episode on the book called letting go by david hawkins so i would refer you to that so yes it's not your fault that you were in those situations where your parents were not physically or emotionally available now it's time for you to be there for yourself i refer you to the inner child work uh, there's I have a, a lot of content on that uh, in my podcast and I actually I keep on saying that I'm going to do a fully dedicated episode on inner child work I'm going to take a note actually now and just not forget so I will do a, a full episode on inner child work uh, it's basically a technique so that you kind of view as your current self um, parent and take care of your uh, you as a younger self so you in your mind is like talking to yourself. Uh, it's like visualization and, and things like that. Uh, you can Google it in the meantime if you feel it really, really helps you. Otherwise, I will do an episode. So yeah, the first reason why you feel you shut down the uh, emotions through food is because when you were younger, you had emotions and your parents were not physically or emotionally available, so you had to deal with yourself and fi find a way, and food f at that time was really helpful. You could have done something really worse, so it was kind of a superpower. Maybe now, as an adult, you don't need it anymore. Another reason, again, really strong, if you had strong childhood trauma, it could be that you had a parent that was maybe alcoholic. There is a lot of resources online of children of uh, alcoholic parents. And you can see a lot of traits and uh, behavior and tools of how to deal with it. So if you had a, an alcoholic parent, uh, sometimes we think that, okay, it's only the problem of the parent. They had like they only suffered because they were the alcoholics and and not the children but no children of alcoholic parents it's a it's a thing and you can google and work on it and definitely alcoholic parents very often they were not emotionally present so i'm just uh it might not be a secret for you but sometimes also i know that children of alcoholic parents they're in denial um, it's hard to accept that our parent is an alcoholic and that, you know, we suffered from that. So just to tell you that your parent might have been very emotionally distant. And also uh, what happens is that with alcohol and repeated uh, alcohol abuse, the brain kind of changes, if you want, and uh, the parts where the empathy uh, the part of the brain that uh, stores or deals with empathy gets, you know, smaller if you want. So an alcoholic parent really often doesn't have empathy. So you might have, you know, dealt with this in your life without even knowing. And again, you know, you had problems. Maybe it was something stupid, like uh, not even stupid, like something normal that a child deals with. You wanted a toy or your friend... Um, uh, was not nice to you or you know you I don't know you hurt yourself and then the parent because they were alcoholics and things and they didn't have empathy they were not present they probably shamed you and guilt you oh you 
you you you like well, how are you complaining everything and you didn't know how to deal with it so you went and used food to feel better again if you're an adult listening to this and you're not in the home of the alcoholic person etc now you're safe you can do a lot of uh, inner child work and just realizing that the situation has changed now and you can take care of yourself Next on the list is that if you had a parent that had either a depression or very strong uh, anxiety or trauma, something really, really big um, that could be classified as clinical or not clinical, you know, like the borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorders and everything. Here, I want to make a disclaimer that on social media, if you see everyone had trauma, everyone is narcissistic, but there is a proper definitions, uh, clinical definitions if you look online, uh, for example, for for mental issues, you have the DSM-4, which is a book like which with guidelines of really what are the criteria to really cl classify someone uh, with some trauma, with some depression, with some uh, really anxiety, you know, the clinical anxiety. So yeah, you might have parents that were suffering from that way so you as a child again it might not be their fault and probably you have this inner talk which is the uh, in your voice which is actually the voice of your parent and you're not even noticing telling so many bad things about you that you are the selfish one that you don't care about others and you and you and you and you should feel ashamed of having those emotions and all of this is like so much on you that you used food and you maybe you still use food when you life gets challenging and reminds you of your childhood you will use food to shut those emotions and here one of the tools that i want to give you is first by realizing and getting if you want paying attention of this voice and the words that are in your in your head and realizing that actually this is the, vo the voices of your parents and society and everything um, very often it's the parents we call it the inner voice and it's not actually you so very often and th there is someone there is a therapist online that i really like his name is patrick tehan he says that you know very often like toxic parents they tell us that we are selfish but actually they were the selfish ones and i know a lot of people that dealt with difficult parents feel that they are the selfish ones and actually i read uh, a very nice definition of what selfish is and what selfish is not selfish is wanting if you need someone to change their life to fit your own needs so that you can feel better so you're asking someone else to change and to to you know to change their life or change some their days etc so that you feel better this is selfish whereas selfish is not putting yourself first because what happens is that if you grew up again with toxic parents etc um, you they might have told you that you are selfish because you're not taking care of them but this is not being selfish being selfish is them asking you to stop your life to take care of themselves especially when they're they are the parents and you are the child so they very often we have we see people with you know toxic parents that actually um, they ask their kids to parent them you know so you're the child parenting your uh, your adult parents and and then you feel guilty because you're not doing that so also raising the awareness that uh, you know you're not selfish and you know maybe at 
now you get to take care of yourself. You get to put yourself first. It's not being selfish. Um, there is this, um, you know, Carl Jung, he's a, he was a, a psychiatrist and therapist and he discovered so many things. He, he's the one who classified, discovered the introvert and extrovert. Like he has, he's really, really, really big. And he said that for him, the goal of life is that we, it's called self-idealization uh, or idealization. I don't know how you, you pronounce it anyway. But the aim uh, of everyone's life is to kind of discover your full self. So working on yourself, taking care of yourself, etc. It's not being selfish. It is, um, it is basically your goal in life. So here you can see how... Um, Growing up in families where the, our parents were not emotionally present for us uh, makes us try to find ways to deal with all our emotions and everything. And very often we go to food. It's, it's such an easy, if you want, solution. It's quick, it's cheap, it, it's uh, so available, and it really makes us feel better. So maybe you, you did it as a, as a trial and error, or maybe in, society, in your family food was so present. And maybe your parents unconsciously, unconsciously they gave you food to shut you, to shut you down. And now if we think of families that were less uh, like proper toxic or proper childhood trauma, examples such as things that, you know, you might have grew up in a family or uh, in a society where some emotions, again, were not accepted, some emotions were taboo. Especially if you lived in small societies, I feel the smaller the society, the more that everyone knows each other and the more there is shame about feeling emotions, etc. Also, you might have, uh, just think of your ancestors and your parents and everything. Are, did they live a war? Like the First World War, there were so many wars. I mean, I'm not going to list all of them. Did they live something really strong, a heavy, did, do they have a heavy heritage? That maybe they were like for life, life for them was so hard. They were dealing with things. Maybe uh, at that time, seeing a therapist was really taboo. Maybe they didn't even know how to deal with their own emotions. So how can you expect them to deal with your emotions? And everything that a child wants, if you want, their basic needs is to, uh, you know, the need for, as Gabor Mate says, attachment and authenticity. We really rely on our parents for survival and we have a lot of needs. And we really feel that we need the safety. You know, when they around the 18 months to like 36 months of you know uh, life there is this thing called uh, separation anxiety where a child starts knowing that uh, you know our the child starts realizing that them and their parents and their mom specifically they're two different entities before that i don't understand how i mean we've all been there they think that them and their mom are the same person. So <clears throat> at that stage, they start realizing, no, we're two people. And mom gets to leave, and I don't have any control over this. Because there's, they're maybe not walking, or they're crawling, uh, and you know, so or they're just learning how to, to walk. And sometimes they're still in the crib, or they see their mom leaving the house. And, you know, it's really it generates a lot of anxiety in, in all of us. I'm sure all of us lived it. Uh, so as a child, you have a lot of needs. 
uh, a need of safety, a need of knowing that your parents will be there all all the time, no matter what you do. You know, we often hear parents saying, oh, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave. Okay, if you're not ready in two minutes, I'm leaving the house. And just imagine, I mean, we're all guilty of it, so don't feel ashamed if you've done it. But just imagine for a child, their life depends on you. Imagine how much, how many needs and emotions and things that they will re- they will feel, and imagine that the parent then cannot deal with the emotions of their kids. So yeah, they will find a way, especially when they grow up and they're more autonomous. They will find a way to to soothe those emotions because they're so unbearable, and food is very easy. And for you, you can ask yourself: This is something that's really really helpful. Uh, ask yourself. Uh, at what age did I start gaining the weight and what was happening in my life? And at that time, and, and this will help you start to understand why you do the emotional eating. Maybe you started eating a lot when, I don't know, you moved house, something happened in your family, uh, maybe someone uh, in your extended family, something happened to them, which meant that your parents were not available for you. So, you, or maybe the financial situation of the family deteriorated. So ask yourself those things. Because very often, especially if you had very strong anxiety or trauma or things in your childhood, there is something called the childhood amnesia. So you don't remember what happened. So just thinking or realizing, okay, at what age did I start getting the weight? Then what hap- what was happening in my life? Now I understand what's happening. So I hope you got like an understanding that we, why maybe for you, you are using food to shut down and censor some emotions that you don't want to feel. Um, I am not going to give you a lot of tools because this is all the podcast is about. So I'm trying to make a shorter episode so that you don't get bored with long, long episodes. I have an episode. I will link it in the show notes if I remember. It's called a soothing exercise. Uh, to do before you're uh, about to eat emotionally which is me talking to you of what to do just before you feel you're going to eat emotionally it might help you with really strong emotions and I guess just the awareness start with understanding and awareness like the self-awareness that why you will do it and accepting it and this is a really good beginning for your you know your journey and that was it for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I, I hope you feel you're coming from a place of self-love, of self-compassion, of self-understanding. And you're like putting away the judgment and everything every, every time you eat. Otherwise, I'll see you next week on Friday, 5 a.m. UK time, 6 a.m. Central European time, midnight Eastern time, and on Thursday, 9 p.m. Pacific time.